Would you bow your heads in prayer? Father, most holy, most merciful, you come today. Remind us of who you are, of what you can do, and renew our faith. In your name we pray. Amen. You know, I've shared this in Bible class, and I wish I had brought the picture I took. We were on our first trip to Israel back in, in 2009, and we were at the western wall of the temple in Jerusalem. It's the, it's the wall that's left from the ancient Jewish temple, and it's the place where Jewish people go to pray. And, you know, it's a divided area. The men are on one side praying and the women are on the other side praying. And while I was there, this, I believe he was Hasidic, Jew came and he brought his his class with him. He was a rabbi and he had probably eight little boys. And he sat them down on plastic chairs and one at a time... He took them up to the wall, and he taught them how to pray. Didn't teach them by putting something on a chalkboard and sitting in there and talking to them about prayer. Taught them by taking them to the wall and praying with them. our Our whole trip that time was like that. It wasn't just... It wasn't just uh, taking buses to places and getting off. During that week, we, we hiked something like 60 miles in Israel, and we experienced the countryside. We, we experienced the heat and the sun and the desert and the rocky mountains and, 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 and climbed mountains and went down into tunnels and the whole idea was that the Bible would come to life, and in a lot of ways, the Psalms came to life. I remember slipping on some rocks up near um, Caesarea and thinking about, he will not let your foot slip. Or being hot and sweaty and then understanding when the psalmist says, the Lord is your shade at your right hand, or climbing up on high rocks and understanding, well, that's what it means. He he set me high upon a rock, or sitting by the the stream of En Gedi after a hot morning walk and Psalm 42 coming to life like a deer pants for streams of water. So my soul longs after you. You know, that's the way Jesus taught. It's the way God has taught throughout the Bible, not not necessarily in a classroom, but out in the world. I mean, you wonder why Israel wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. God was teaching them what it means to be faithful 
what it means to have your faith tested, what it means to be obedient. Jesus, wanting to teach the disciples about Sabbath, took them through a field one day and had them picking kernels of of wheat and eating it, and then talk to him about how David on the Sabbath took the bread in the temple, which is not permitted for anyone but the, the Levites to eat, and he gave it to his men. And, and Jesus used that to teach that the, the, the Sabbath is made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Or teaching Peter what it means to trust by having him walk on water, or teaching about stewardship, pointing out a poor widow, putting her two final coins in the offering plate. I share all that because today we're going to talk about creation, but to really learn about creation while it's nice to sit in a classroom or maybe even in a church and listen to some bald-headed guy talk about it for the next 15 minutes, the best way to, to learn about creation is to live in it, to mow your lawn, to plant flowers, to walk along the beach on South Padre Island or stand at the foot of a mountain in, in Colorado and, and then hear the words that Randy read this morning in the beginning. God created the heavens and the earth. Or to stand on a clear night out in the country and look up at the stars that fill the sky, and then stop to think what it means when in church we say, I believe in God the Father Almighty, the Maker of heaven and earth. Stop and think when you're out there. Look around and realize that God created all this out of nothing. That's what the word in the Hebrew means, to create. It means to make out of nothing. The Bible tells us that at the beginning, the earth was, the world, the universe was formless and empty. It was chaos. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And then God spoke. Let there be light. And there was light. Do you know that in the first chapter of Genesis, one phrase occurs ten times. And God said. It's the most important lesson that we learn from Genesis 1 that when God works, He works. Just like we said today in the children's message, He works through His Word. By speaking, He called the whole universe into existence. You know, the first, the first three days, what did He do? He, he gave shape 
to the formlessness. Separated the light from the dark, separated the waters, made the dry land appear, caused vegetation to grow. And then on the next three days of creation, he filled the creation, the sun, the moon, and the stars, and the heavens above. The fish in the sea, the birds in the air, the land animals that roamed the earth, and then last of all, man himself to rule and govern all of it. My friends, he did that by his word. And if you gain nothing else, if this is the last thing you pay attention to in the sermon, because I know sometimes it's easy to wander, I pray that this is the thing you will remember. If you want God to be at work in your life, then you've got to be in the Word. Whether it's Bible class, worship, home, I meant what I said with the children's message today. This is His primary tool in our lives. You know, I, I, I often say this in Bible class. You wouldn't hire a carpenter and make him leave his tools in the truck. Don't do that with God. See, He's a master craftsman. And this is, I love this passage. It's at the end of the whole creation story, right? God saw all that He had made. And it was good. Now why? Why make that point? Because I don't know about you, but there are times when our lives can feel just like those two words. Formless and empty. Has your life ever been chaotic? I think that there are times when, and see, when I think of chaos, this is the picture I get in my mind, and I'm pretty sure my mom would have gotten it in her mind too. I think of my bedroom as a teenager. <laughs> Piles everywhere so that you couldn't find anything. Now, I could find things. You couldn't tell which were the dirty clothes and which were the clean clothes. It was, Mom said, sometimes like fighting a losing battle. The easiest thing to do, I think, at times was shut the door and pretend I didn't live there. I think there are times when we do that to life. We maybe tell a lie, or we tell lies, or maybe we struggle with something and maybe it's alcoholism. And you want to talk about a chaotic home, talk to somebody who came from the home of an alcoholic. If you Maybe, maybe it's just that one every day is an argument, an argument with your kids, an argument with your spouse. Maybe it's just things that have happened. A pandemic, 
an illness, something that changed your plans, the loss of a job, and maybe it's your fault that you lost that job. Whatever it is, you know, the one thing I, I, I have to say is, you know that mess in my room? There was no one to blame but me. And the truth is, sometimes you and I make a mess out of our lives. Wouldn't it be great if God could do in you and me what he did to the universe? Well, he can. And he does. That same work in you and me, and whether you believe it or not, or realize it or not, you confess that you believe he does that work every time you say the Apostles' Creed, every time you say, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. Because that means you believe in a God who can bring order out of chaos, life out of formlessness. He has also said in Revelations, Behold, I am making all things new. Now think about that. God's creating work continues in the gift of His Son. I wonder wonder if you've ever noticed ever paid attention to the baptism of Jesus, did you know that all the elements of creation are part of His baptism? The chaos is there in the ever-moving, turbulent waters of the Jordan River. The Spirit of God hovers over the face of the water because what does John see as he baptizes Jesus? He sees heaven open and the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting on him. And God speaks a voice from heaven. This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. God Himself in Jesus Christ descends down into the chaos of our world. And in His own body, He carries the mess that you and I made to a cross and He suffers and dies. And on the third day, He rises from the dead and life, new life, new creation begins with Him. And he continues that work in you and me. Where? At your baptism. All the elements of the creation story are part of your baptism. Water, the Spirit, the Word. I think... See that young man, Adam? He's soaking wet. Behind him is the Jordan River. The pastor who was leading our tour has just baptized him in the Jordan River. And I had a chance to visit with him. I said, isn't it amazing? 
Jesus was baptized in the same river. He didn't have any sin. So when he went into the water, he went into the water for you. So that the word that brings life, the word that the Father spoke to Jesus, he could now speak about you, Adam. You are the son whom he loves. And with you, he is well pleased. On the day of your baptism, God spoke into your lives and began a new work. It's not complete in one day. Has anybody here ever had any remodeling done in your home? I know you do remodeling, Manuel. You know, when, when there's remodeling going on, it's a mess. At least for a while, right? And often you're like, when we had some remodeling done, the guy said, now, this is what we think it's going to cost, but when we get behind that wall, we may find things. And so it's not this linear process that goes bing, 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 done, right? Well, folks, it's the same. that's what God is doing in your life. The work he began in your baptism is a remodeling process. And for some time, sometimes it's a messy process as he gets down to the nitty-gritty of whatever it is that's going on in your heart or mine and digs out some things that we didn't want anybody to know were there so he can get rid of them and he can make us new again. It's a lifelong process. And sometimes we think, am I too big a mess for God? Is my life just too chaotic? No. You know, I, this is another thing. I'm, I'm sharing a lot with my, when we went to Israel. But one of the things our, our leader told us is that when some, not all, but when many Jews say the Shema, and Shema is the kind of the Old Testament creed from Deuteronomy 6. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God, and on and on. That's, they say that in the morning and in the evening, when they get up and before they go to bed. And many of them have the practice that when they say that, they do it with their little finger in the air. Why? As a reminder that there, God has more power in his little finger than the biggest obstacle you and I face in our lives. That there is nothing in our lives that he can't handle. That's what you're saying when you confess the creed. And so I want to challenge you. I know that somewhere along the line, I think it was Pastor Bauer taught you that when you're saying the benediction, you do what? When the benediction, you hold out your hands to receive the blessing. Well, at least for today, when we say the stand up here and say Luther's explanation of the first article, I want you to do it with your hand raised and your pinky in the air. A reminder that the God you believe in has more power in his little finger 
than any obstacle or trouble or trial that you face. And that when we say the words of the creed, we're saying, Lord, I know you can handle it. Amen? Amen. Amen.